In this podcast, we look at Peggy McIntosh's article, White Privilege, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack. I want to approach this article a little differently from the others in that I want to take advantage of the perspective that I've been able to get from previous sections of this course and what students have said in the past about this article. I get a lot of student reactions that say that white privilege may have existed at one time, may even have existed when Peggy McIntosh wrote this article around 1989, but that white privilege and racism is a thing of the past today in 2020. Well, I want to challenge that point of view. And the best way to do that is to take a look at her list of examples of white privilege, starting on page 125. Do you really think that people of color can enjoy these privileges even in the year 2020? For example, I can, if I wish, arrange to be in the company of people of my race most of the time. That's really not an option if someone wants to go out into public, simply because only 10% of the population is African American. If I should need to move, I can be pretty sure of renting or purchasing housing in an area which I can afford and in which I would want to live. Do you really think that people of color can do this as easily as people who are white? We know that people of color are on the lower end of the scale in terms of income and that most housing today is very, very expensive. And so it would be unlikely that a cross-section of African Americans would be able to purchase a home of their choice in a neighborhood as easily as a person who was white. Now, there's no suggestion here that racism, as we usually define it, meaning someone who deliberately treats someone unequally because they believe that they are unequal, that type of racism is not at work here. Instead, it's part of the culture. In other words, builders build for more wealthy clientels. Now, that may not be based on a racial decision, but it advantages whites over blacks. Nobody's to blame necessarily, but it's a privilege that white people have and people of color do not have. I can be pretty sure that my neighbors in such a location will be neutral or pleasant to me. Certainly, if you're white you can be pretty sure that your neighbors will be pleasant to you. But if you're a person of color, that is not a given. I can go shopping alone most of the time, pretty well assured that I will not be followed or harassed. If we are honest with ourselves, I think we'll agree that people who are white will usually be able to stop shop in a store and not be followed around. People of color cannot take that for granted. Now, you might say, well, once I was followed around and I'm, I'm white. Well, that's not what this says. It says, I can be pretty sure that I will not be followed. She doesn't say nobody's ever followed who's white. She says that very rarely does that happen. But it happens commonly for people of color. So you see how that's a privilege that white people take for granted that non-white people cannot enjoy. To look at it another way, a white person might be followed one in a million times, and a black person might not be followed occasionally, 
But what can always be counted on is the privilege of knowing that nine times out of ten, there is no way you will be followed if you're a white person, and that nine times out of ten, there is a high possibility you will be followed if you're a person of color in a random store. It's the fact that you can never take that for granted in any situation for a person of color that makes it a privilege for the person who is white. And the fact that the white person does not recognize it is both understandable and a big, big problem for solving these inequities in our society. Here's another one. When I am told about our national heritage or about civilization, I am shown that people of my color made it what it is. We know, and as an historian, I know, that African Americans helped to build this country. Slavery empowered one of the richest commodities in the United States in the antebellum era, namely cotton. And African Americans built the White House and much of the infrastructure and certainly some of the most important agriculture in the United States was cultivated by African Americans. So they built the country as much as anyone else did, if not more. They also were instrumental in turning the tide in the Civil War towards the North, towards the end of the Civil War. So you could say that African Americans saved the country. And yet you don't usually read that in your history books. And if you do, you quickly forget it. It seems like it's not part of the consciousness of this culture. And so I think that this statement by Peggy McIntosh is more than true. Whether I use checks, credit cards, or cash, I can count on my skin color not to work against the appearance of financial reliability. Well, you know, it's against the law not to treat people equally regardless of skin color. And so this is not done legally, and it's not done openly, but you can bet that there are practices that steer African Americans away from certain residences, certain residential neighborhoods, and certain opportunities that white people have to enjoy. That's not necessarily the case in every city of the country, but most of the regions and cities of the United States are not exactly progressive on this issue. So time after time, when you look at this list, I think it's clear that white privilege does exist, but you have to define it carefully and properly. According to Peggy McIntosh, white privilege are unearned advantages that whites have because of the color of their skin, but that non-white people do not have. And non-white people are acutely conscious of this, but white people are taught not to notice these privileges. It's not the fault of any particular white person. White people themselves are not racist in enjoying these privileges. They're just blind, and they need to think about what's going on. And of course, many of you already know and agree that there is such a thing as male privilege, and it certainly exists in 2020. Those of you who are women, I'm sure agree that when you pay a woman 75 cents on the dollar to do exactly the same job, that a man is paid a dollar on a dollar. That is discrimination. That is male privilege. 
and it still exists. So if male privilege exists, why is it so difficult to believe that white privilege exists? At any rate, that's a good question. In your reflection post, you need not agree that white privilege exists, but what you do need to do is to define it correctly, as Peggy McIntosh has defined it, and then you can explain why you think it does not exist, if indeed you feel that way. All right, well, I hope you enjoy this assignment, and I hope that this podcast helps you with it.